Oh my gosh. This episode that you're about to listen to is straight fire. It's so good. Welcome back to the Long Distance Love Bombs podcast. I am your host, Dr. Jeremy Goldberg, and today's guest is my pal, Jordan Gray, who is incredible. Jordan is a best-selling author. He's written numerous books. He's been featured all over the internet at places like the New York Times, the BBC, the Huffington Post. He has reached more than 40 million people with his online writing. He teaches courses online about sex and relationships. He is a dude. And we went to all the places that you would expect to go with a sex and relationship expert. And we went to other places. We talked about sex toys. We talked about writing. We talked about creativity. We talked about laughter and backflips and kicking toddlers and the sex life of the president. It was so good, so much fun. I'm not exaggerating that you were going to fall in love with this episode. I, uh, I don't even know what else to say. Enjoy it have fun. And if you want to find Jordan online, you can find him at jordangrayconsulting.com. And don't forget to subscribe so that you don't miss future episodes. And if you're feeling really generous, do leave a review. So without further ado, I present a very enlightening conversation with the one and only Jordan Gray. Enjoy. Jordan Gray, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. I don't know what we're doing. It's just the standard opening for me. I find me and the guest will just giggle for a while, and then I'll at some point say, hey, we should probably just record this. (laughs) And here we are. Giggling is always welcome. One thing I did want to ask you, because I feel like you're really qualified for this, and it's something I'm not too familiar with, uh, is like, what does it feel like to be tall? I felt like you were going there. I was like, this is going to be about my height. Because you're very tall. I'm very tall. I've never been tall. Once in a line at the bank, I was tall because I was standing in, uh, at the back of the line and there was like four children and then like a Filipino couple and then uh, a very old woman. And I had the flash in my brain. I was like, oh my God, this is this my is moment. This is what it's like. This is what it's like. This is interesting. Have you been to Thailand or Southeast Asia? Yeah, yeah. I used to live in Thailand. Okay. Yeah, and I had that you moment again. Yeah, as I say, you it, can feel taller It kind there. of was like an empowering feeling. Mm-hmm. You just feel like you look down on everybody. Just like a baseline of confidence and it's hard not to slip into arrogance because you're like, yeah, I'm up here. Everyone has to look up. <laughs> but you're me. sick of it, right? Because like, it's like an obvious topic of conversation for your whole life. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> basically every day that I go outside of my house, someone makes a comment about how tall are you or do you play basketball? And like non-facetiously, like there's, they ask the same questions over and over. Yeah, so is it like, hard to find jeans? It's like the worst way to start a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, every fucking person says the same shit. But yeah, it is. I'm six foot seven, which for the metric fans, I'm two meters and one centimeter. Anyway. And yeah, I feel like in my mind, like six, two, six, three is like normal, quite tall guy. And so six, seven does get comments you're an outlier yeah and you know i'm sure in 20 or 30 years six seven might be like the new normal tall and six ten will be like the comment worthy but yeah it's i'm used to it all right so for for those people that don't know you like what's your deal like who are you like why are you on the podcast 
Why am I on the podcast? Yeah, what are you passionate about? Uh, many things, and they weave in and out like a kaleidoscope of how interested in them I am at any given moment. But well, even just before we started the podcast, various topics of conversation came up, including <laughs> cock rings, sex, creativity, men's work, men's work, coaching, writing, relationships. Yeah. The whole gamut. But yeah, all those things are accurate. I mean, cock rings is obviously number one in my life. And that's been a constant since I was like five years old. I've always been really passionate about cock rings. Hi, mom. But, uh, may as well say out of mine too. I'm sure she's listening. Hi, Joe's mom. Oh, hey. Just me and Jordan talking about cock rings. So yeah, my, my most consistent official title over the last nine years was sex and relationship coach mm-hmm. and it's now yeah i don't know i don't have the new one but it now feels like it's transitioning to either writer or just creative like just yeah i so feel like, more dynamic and less what, single-minded what's it like to be a sex coach um you get the same questions about dicks over and over or i do with what my content speaks to i have a lot of like you're, you have a straight face right now like that wasn't even facetious no not a joke at all <laughs> yeah i like if you google most anything to do with male sexual dysfunction, like how do I I last longer in bed or how do I have a stronger dick or whatever? Or how do I dirty talk without feeling ridiculous? Like just a lot of sex stuff. I'm on page one or spot one of a lot of search terms in Google. So I get a lot of people hitting me up in my inbox every day about their dicks. Like I literally, I get dick pics from guys in India that are like, hey, my dick is this big. Can I like strengthen it using your exercises? I'm like, you don't need to show me your dick for me to answer this fucking question. <laughs> but yeah, I, I get similar questions about so every, sexual would performance. You, would you say every day you get an email asking about uh, somebody's penis? Yes, not all of them have photos at all. Like that's more of a once a month yeah. thing. But yes, definitely. I get questions about people's sex lives every day. My email inbox, Facebook fan page inbox, personal, like yeah. no matter how inaccessible I make myself, people still find ways to send me questions about their sex lives. Yeah, so what is that like then to go to work and just talk about people's most intimate sexual experiences every day? And then like, how did you slide into that? Is that an innuendo? It completely <laughs> is. I was like, you said that with a straight face. That's impressive. How did you slide into that position? How did you slide into your life? Like from behind? Yeah. yeah, Just Kama Sutra style? Um, Hey, mom. Hey, mom. What's it like? How did I get there? Yeah. Yeah, what's it like? Um, It feels very, like sometimes it's funny, but most of the time it just feels like nourishing and natural and like, yeah, of course this is what I should be doing. I feel like I've always been a bit of a like deep water fish that doesn't, do well with like really superficial anything yeah, yeah especially yeah small talk and stuff so when someone just immediately emails me and is like you know hey I want to be able to like pleasure my wife more deeply and I'm afraid she's going to leave me or someone else is like hey I'm thinking about killing myself and your article really helped me like for me conversations that start there I'm so down I'm like yeah fuck yeah like thanks for bringing me some real human shit mm. um, so yeah that feels really good and appropriate and I feel fortunate. Um, I find that too of like when you have a real conversation day after day after day and it becomes normal, then you go out and you meet new people and they're like, oh, look, how's the sky? Look, there's um, water falling from the sky. Isn't that, (laughs) that (laughs) did you see the sports team won the thing last night? (laughs) Yeah, and it's like, 
Oh, <laughs> what is happening? Is this the default? I hate it. Yeah. Are you talking to me about the gas prices? Do you think that's important or necessary? Yeah. What is this? And so then, so you get, I think it's, it's an honor and a privilege as well for you Absolutely. to like create that space where people feel comfortable and confident to just share stuff they probably don't share with anybody else, I'd imagine. Totally. Yeah. And it definitely, and don't get me wrong, it definitely does test my patience and compassion on certain days when I'm, you know, when I'm getting my 20th email that week, that's like 12 paragraphs long from someone who isn't a customer or client who just signed up to my email list, you know, half an hour before they sent me their life story at a certain point of, you know, if I, if I have a, just a more tiring week and I'm not managing my energy well and I get someone else looking for energy that has never met me, I'm just like, mm. okay, like how many, how many freebies can I give and not be mm. carving out the necessary energy that I want to give to my clients or friends or girlfriend or family members? Mm. Um, so yeah, it's not just like, wow, this is always, always love and light and I'm, I'm never judging people for offloading their shit on me. Um, but yes, 90% of the time I'm super grateful and like, yeah, yeah, the fact that they feel willing to bring me stuff that they sometimes will even explicitly say, like, I haven't even brought this to my spouse and I'm just like looking for an outside opinion. And, you know, if they come by it honestly and do it in a respectful way, then I'm like happy to, you know, mm. overly give energy in a way that isn't leveraged for my business, but just feels good in my body of like, yeah, I can give you some energy. I've been there. I understand it. Mm. And so how did you get started? Like, what was your first client like where, where you're like, okay, I'm a sex coach now. Or was it like a transition from relationship coach into sex coach or yeah, a bit of a transition. So yeah, just under 10 years ago, I guess I'm like nine and a half years in. So yeah, I've had my business, my website for the last six years. And for three and a half years before that, I did the same or similar job offline uh, I basically did a Vancouver, or did a Google search for Vancouver dating coaching companies, and I found one that was the most similar to what I wanted to do. And I basically just showed up every day for four months for free until they until I created enough value that they had extra revenue to pay me with. Like it was just like a volunteer job. They're just like, "I'm going to be your next coach," and they're like, "Okay, 22 year old, we'll see." <laughs> and I just, yeah, I've always had this like I think helpful mix of arrogance and self-appointment that's just like no I'm doing this now I just like I draw a line in the sand and said I only do this forever again I will never use a resume this is the career path even though I do not have any credentials or degree in anything that I you mm. know teach or talk about just a fuck ton of you know self-education and life experience um I heard a line from our, our friend Mark Groves yep. and he said um my results are my credentials 100%. It's like, oh, or my experience is my credential. And I think that's more and more people are recognizing that. I think the age of the internet and finding somebody that speaks your truth and someone that shares content that you really connect to. Yeah. It's like, it doesn't matter if you have the degree, if you have the training, if you have the coaching program. It's a, and I say this with, as somebody with a PhD. Yeah. Like, like, it looks great in front of my name. You know, and it, it sort of infers credibility. Mm -hmm. But I don't think in the world that we play in, um, that it's, it's a necessity. Right. Like is your, is your master's in poetry? Like, yeah. Yeah. No, it's just like, it's in something. It's, it's actually an Instagram memes. Yeah. It's a new there program. Yeah. Harvard offered. Yeah. Nine years. I create captions. 
<laughs> Inspirational captions with a minor in um, hashtags. Hashtags. <laughs> Perfect. Oh man, that's probably going to be a thing one day. We laugh, but yeah, that's like six years out. Yeah, <laughs> like our friends' kids are going to be like gunning for those jobs, and we'll be yeah. like, that was a joke before. Well, I talked to a friend of mine the other day, and she said her son, her son's like I think six or eight or so. And, and she said when he grows up, he wants to be a YouTuber. Mm-hmm. And that that's like a really common thing amongst Absolutely. that generation. is like they yeah. just, they want to be famous, kind of. That's the modern right. movie star. Yeah. You know, like 30 years ago, being, you know, even 20 years ago, like big being Will Smith. Yeah, like being an Independence Day and like having like big, you know, A-list movie yeah. roles, like a huge thing. And now that media has been democratized to this extent where someone can just hustle for five years and get 10 million subscribers on YouTube and have their own little slice of fame that they created and have total creative control because they don't answer to a studio, like no shit that's going to be appealing. Like good for them. Mm. That's similar to what you do though. And, and, I, and I do as well, I suppose. It's like In writing. total creative freedom, yeah. not reliant upon outside people for whatever, really. like no boss. Absolutely. Yeah, I so write exactly what I want, and I have over a million readers a month, and there's no, I don't have a business partner, I don't have a manager, there's no one who's like, oh, you shouldn't write about that topic, that's like a bit too taboo, and mm-hmm. you know, the advertisers might, might not like it. It's like, nope, it's all just me fucking around, and whoever likes it can stick around. So how do you, so this is like maybe a good lead into creativity, right? Sure. Because <laughs> you, you're prolific. You write a lot. I love that word. You, you're, you're so prolific. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm laughing because Jordan made a very inappropriate hand gesture with his crotch just a moment ago. Extremely appropriate. Extremely I mimed <laughs> masturbating because I love the word prolific. <laughs> but you, so you write a lot, and you write a lot about a variety of topics related to relationships, sex, intimacy, communication, connection. Yes. Thank you. And so, how do you decide what to write about? Um, <clears throat> like what's your process? I always have multiple running lists of ideas coming down the pipeline. Mm. I feel like, you know, my sense of it is kind of what every creative person does. They have like, here's the long list, and then the medium list, and the short <laughs> list, and then the thing you're actually working on. Like there's different size buckets. Yeah. And, you know, some ideas will live in the long list for a full year until it's like, okay, now like this idea's time has come. And I just saw the, the video that you you shot like the one or two minute like spoken word poem that you said to a to a woman and had her react in real time. Yeah. And I've, I've, memory serves, your caption was like, I'd had this idea for a while and it yeah. finally came out and it happened like, yeah, to me that. Like, sure, sure some things I wake up with and I shoot up in bed at five o'clock and I'm just like, oh, this thing. And I get out my laptop and I bang it out in 20 minutes and it's done. And other things, yeah, do percolate for a full year until it's like, okay, mm. now I care more about this or the time is right. And yeah, it's almost on like a laundry, like slow spin cycle of like, it'll pop out when it's ready. Yeah, I totally have the same process. I just searched the other day in my inbox. or So I sometimes will start draft emails to myself as articles. Like that's my filing system. Hmm. And I'll call the subject line article and then like the title of what I think it will be. So, and this started years ago just as a joke, kind of informally. <clears throat> but so it's in my inbox, and I searched, you can search words. I searched article because I was looking for a specific thing that I know that I had started. And it had like, you know, 79 results. And so I have just like 80 articles 
just potentially sitting sitting there waiting to be written hmm. that or that I started and got a certain amount of the way through and then discarded yeah. or sort of lost the fire it's that, still or I'll come back to you yeah um, and I saw the similar process um, Gregory Allen Isakov who's a musician yep but you were at that voice. show as well, right? I wasn't there, oh, you but there. I have been listening to him, listening yeah. to him a fuck ton since that show. He's because, unreal. Yeah, my friends are like all about it, and I was like, "Who is this?" And I heard his stuff. I was like, "Oh, he's, I could have been there." He's so good, but he, his process is similar. He goes into this barn, and he had like a list of songs, and he kind of just like slowly moves them down the track, hmm. and then eventually he gets nudge, the, nudge, the nudge. ten. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, hmm. Okay, so but so do you have a process whereby? Like you write every day? No. Or is it only when you're feeling super inspired and excited? Between those two things. Like, yeah, every time I'm feeling super inspired and excited and it has to come through, there are times where I'm just like, well, I need to write right now, even though it's a really inconvenient, you know, emotional or headspace or time of the day. Like, you know, it's 1130 and I was like really wanting to get to bed on time to like do this interview justice. And my brain's like, no, you have this idea and it's only going to be here now. I'm like, oh, I got to listen to you. But then I'm also not down for, I know some writers are huge fans of like, you know, if you only wait for inspiration, you're a loser and this yeah. is awful and you have to have a daily practice. And to me, when it's that regimented, it's, I start to resent it because I, mm. I don't want to see it as that much of a job. But I also don't only strike when the iron's really hot. I do, I think Elizabeth Gilbert talks about this. Like, you know, she, in her first TED talk that went more viral with the creative genius thing where you know, as often as you can sit down and just like show up and do your part of like, you know, sit in the chair if you're a writer and be like, okay, today, like you got anything for me? So you're doing your part and whether or not the creative genius also shows up and pours through you isn't really on your shoulders, but at least attempting it more often than just when you're bursting with something exciting. Mm. Yeah. I've heard it described as like a like a butterfly that lands on your shoulder or something is that how she described it? like like inspiration or the muse mm. or flow or channeling or whatever it like right. sometimes it lands and you have to like catch it while it's there mm. or else it'll just leave yeah or i've had this t- as well where i'll have I'll, i often think in terms of lines or sentences mm-hmm. so if you hang out with me long enough you'll hear me say like oh that's a good line i got i like that or a phrase or something will just pop in my head and I often play this game with myself. It's usually when I'm lying in bed, it's like, oh, I'll remember that tomorrow morning. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I don't. It's gone. And I can't even remember the topic. I'll wake up in the morning like, what was that phrase? The butterfly's gone. The butterfly's gone. Oh, it like, was there. It. it was a beautiful one. Yeah. And so for me, like my butterfly net is my notes thing in my iPhone. Yeah. Just filled with so much crap. Like I often yeah. think like if I die young or if I die tomorrow and like somebody finds my phone, They've got all my draft email articles, thousands of notes of writing. They yeah. could publish some kind of weird anthology of like the unspoken love bombs or something. Right. But if they, if they drafted it out of that, people would either think you're like a hack or insane because like most of it's yeah. trash, which is Completely. why it's just sitting there <laughs> right. and not used. Yeah, man. It's a bunch of dead butterflies. I'm like, nah, I don't really want to. Why was he collecting them. these in a pile? This is really depressing and gross. Why does he have that? That's so weird. That's so weird. Oh. Well, this has been a fun podcast. <laughs> Cock rings and dead butterflies. Dead butterflies. That's, that's what the title was. That's be. the headline? <laughs> Perfect. Jordan Gray. What do you the think? Butterfly about? expert. Yeah. So, so like, what, what, like, what are you really excited about at the moment? 
what's something that's that's like filled you up or you're you're looking forward to i i've been really excited by the quote by daniel laporte all art involves risk i'm not sure if it was mm. her original quote or she took it from somewhere else and memed it but yeah pushing do you know sort of us rao the the writer he's uh he kind of runs in the same circles as like at least in my perception like Tim Ferriss and Ryan Holiday and uh, Charlie Hone and yeah, just guys that are able to write a lot about yeah. and he also has a podcast called The Unmistakable Creative anyways, I picked up a book by him the other week which just felt insanely well timed, it was basically it's called An Audience of One and it's about reclaiming your relationship to creativity once you've already had success because when you're successful, there's this pressure of well now my audience expects this thing from me whether that's real or imagined, you know, mm. your perception or what they're actually saying, like, yeah, more of that stuff that we love. Mm. Um, and for me, I definitely went through that phase of not, not pandering as much as like, should, yeah. Should thinking creativity of like, Oh, well, you know, these things did the best and they want more of that. And so, yeah, I should be writing for them more than for me. And, yeah. you know, they're right and my heart can just like shut up for a while and I'll like deliver what's being asked of me. But yeah, after, you know, six to eight months of like leaning too heavily in that direction, I'm now kind of overcorrecting and flexing the muscles of like, no, what is only fun and what registers is play and lightness for me, even if, I mean, and it never really turns out this way when you actually like honor your own creative impulses, but you know, the fear that ego says, Oh, by doing this, like half the audience is gonna go, whoa, this is like really weird and we want more of the old shit. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't say it without censoring, but you know, that Jay-Z line of N-words of all my old shit, buy my old albums. So you can't just be the the one hit wonder that keeps delivering and you know, you become a kind of facsimile of a facsimile of yourself and just get watered down and shittier. So yeah, for me, like leaning into creative edges where I see new layers of taboo is really exciting and they can be as, uh, you know, overt and obvious as writing in like the kink and BDSM side of the sex content that I write about, or as, you know, I think more nuanced or less like flashy or sexy as I'm I'm doing a photo series on male physical affection, like on guys, just like guy friends being, cuddly and touchy and hugging because every time I put out an article talking about like how to make friends as an adult or, you know, what I've learned in the last two years of being in a men's group, I get a lot of people that are kind of on like the fringe of my audience, like not my, you know, core followers, people that are friends with those people who, yeah, will like make jokes like, oh, like, are you sure you're not gay? Like, this is like, this is so crazy. Me and my friends like never hug. This is really weird. And I'm like, is it weird? Like to me, that's weird that that's weird for you, but that makes, that makes me think, okay, well, here's another thing to lean into. And if I get the most pushback or hate from posting a photo of myself sobbing real tears, Mm. then cool. Do more of that. Like that's immediately what my heart says. Like if this is bothering people, then quadruple down on it because it's Mm. rubbing up on people in the wrong way, which to me is the right way. I love that. I love that a lot. So I do something similar from a different perspective, I suppose, which is, um, I love this idea of the edge mm-hmm. of like staying on your edge. Yep. Like any table is an analogy of like staying there mm-hmm. and that's the discomfort and that's the aliveness and the magic and the risk and the like, Oh shit, scary thing. 
Yeah. And I find that that is so exciting to me. And I find also that's when I grow and expand and I create really cool shit. Yeah. And I'm really proud of myself. And I can also do this really cool thing where I take maybe one inch step away from the edge and call it my edge. Like, mm. oh, I'm totally at the edge right now. Step away and step, step back or step, step over. Back. Yeah, don't step over. But yeah. step back from the edge and pretend that I'm still there. Right? Mm. And it's not the same. No. And, and you feel it. And, and you can only bullshit you your heart for it. a couple of weeks, yes. maybe months, but then you're like, this is... I'm playing small. Yes. And so my way around that is I do this thing where if I go too long, say, posting an article or sharing a post on Instagram, mm. if I go too long where it doesn't feel scary, yeah. then if, that's my If your catch. finger isn't like a little bit shaking yes. over the publish button of like, this could be too much. Like yes. maybe this is the one that people are going to be like, you're fucking weird. Yes. And or, or like, what will blank think of this one? Right. Like, oh, my mom's going to read this. Or, oh God, what will freaking John think of this one yeah if I go too long where I don't feel terrified then I'm like you're phoning I'm, it in I'm playing small yeah and like that's that's like <clears throat> chasing that life is is um is life to me totally. it's like being uncomfortable and doing it anyway right <sighs> <laughs> 100%. Yeah. Speaking my language. I love it. One thing I've been doing physically is like cold water showers. Yep. Which I've learned in Vancouver. They're fucking cold. Yeah. Much Especially more so in the winter. Than, <laughs> much more so than LA. But so you like take your regular shower, nice hot shower. And then at the end of it, I, I do this every morning as I stare at this stupid cold water thing. Mm. And I think to myself, turn it. And I'm like, no, nah, I don't want to turn it. <laughs> that like, sounds awful. It sounds terrible. And my brain goes, bro, we did this yesterday. It sucked. And we've done it like the whole month. It's terrible. And I'm and still it, alive. And I'm still alive. And so for me, that's, and I do it and it, and it sucks. But so, yeah, it's that Wim Hof, yeah. Wim Hof breathing. Yeah. <laughs> my heart's sinking and I feel like I'm going to faint. I'm like, oh, this is good. Yeah. And so for me, like that's a practice of, it's not necessarily about the feeling cold, but it's about the moment before when I choose. Yeah, it's the decision of, the I'm decision. doing this. I'm doing I this. I have enough self-trust. I know that I will not spontaneously combust yeah. if I do this uncomfortable thing. Mm-hmm. I'll be stronger for it. And it's, yeah, it's like mind over matter training of, yeah. I know this will be good for me, even if my mind's resisting it. Like, that's exactly why <clears throat> I need to lean into it. And that ties perfectly into a thing that you commented on on my Instagram post yesterday about me doing a backflip off of a wall yeah because so I'm, I'm six foot seven two meters tall as I mentioned before and I had the thought cross my mind about three months ago so for whatever reason I've had a dream literally like I have in dream time um I've dreamt that I can do backflips and like gymnastics and shit for years like at least once a year I have a very vivid and real dream of being able to do gymnastics and I wake up and, you know, when you're kind of like in between, you know, waking up and mm. asleep and you're still kind of in it. I was like, oh, I'm so glad I can do that. So, I feel so fucking cool and in my body. And then I wake up full and I go, oh, it was a dream again. I I'm can't like, do that. I can't do that. Yeah. And that was a part of it was just even having that belief of, and especially because I'm so fucking tall. Like, I'm six foot seven. I can't launch my 200 pound body into the air, do a full rotation, land on my feet and not break my neck. That's insane. Yeah. But because... And again, with the, the stubbornness and arrogance thing from earlier, because I have that mindset, once I have that thought, I have to prove myself wrong. Mm. Um, 
Same thing when I, when I told a few close, trusted, loving, and still well-meaning people six years ago that I was going to start this business of being a sex relationship coach online. Um, yeah, most of them were like, I don't know, the market's really saturated. And like, you know, if you're going to start blogging, you had to do it five years ago and the time has yeah. passed. And I loved it. I was like, please tell me I can't do it. I thrive off of that shit. Same. Isn't it, isn't it funny too how when you ask advice, like now I see this so clearly. But I ask advice and I think, why am I asking this person for advice? Because deep down, I probably know what they're going to say. Yeah. Like my little sister asked me if she should like go backpack Europe or some shit. As I was literally like living in Bali at that time. Yeah. Hey, shut up car. Get out of here. And I, and I even said it. I'm like, what do you think I'm going to tell you? Right? Like, of course you should go backpack Europe. Like you're freaking 20. Like go hit the road. But I find too, the second part of that is how obvious it is to me now that people project their own fears onto the decision and they don't actually consider it from your perspective at all. It's just like, oh, I can't do that. You should not do that. Right. That's not a safe thing to do. No. I phoned it in and chose a job that sucked my soul out of my face. Like, you should do that because that's what humans do. It's like, like, you're a human and you did that, but that doesn't mean that's everyone's path. Yeah, there's different paths. Yeah. Okay. Not all of them involve your soul falling out of your body. So then you did a really amazing thing, which was you hired a backflip coach. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I knew, I knew from day one. Again, so you're like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go do backflip. I'm gonna figure it out. No matter, literally, I was like, no matter how long this takes. And same thing with when I launched my business, was like, I'm gonna make my full time income off of this within a few months. And this will just be my life forever. Um, yeah, I was like, I don't know if it'll take me. It could have taken me two years to learn how to do a backflip. But I didn't know if I had like, yeah. you know, I've sat a lot over the last six years of writing. Maybe my core strength is absolute shit, and they'll be like, oh, you actually need a lot of like you know, ab strength to do this and you have almost none of that. And I go, okay, then I'd hire a personal trainer and I'd build that up and I'd, you know, learn about fast twitch muscle fibers and what the specific mechanics of a backflip are that it's just, it's basically just jump really high, tuck your knees really hard and your body does it for you. But if it, yeah, if it literally took me two years to train that, yeah, I just, I have that. Again, it could be something else, but it's I irrelevant. Is, like the timeline's irrelevant. Right? Yeah. You're just like, well, I'm going to do it. Just that, like that happy stubbornness of like, this is just a thing that I have to prove wrong in myself. And if I, if I realize that there's like, you know, I have a gunky hip or because I'm so tall, you know, my like back has issues. Again, I'll, I'll smooth up those details first and like make it work. And whatever I learn the process will be yeah. crazy worth it. But yeah, I, I learned, so I learned feed-to-feed backflip first, which is harder than the next thing I'm going to talk about. But yeah, yesterday I tried for the first time and landed uh, a wall flip, which is you run at a wall, you put your foot on it, and you do a backflip off the wall. Like you lit, like to clarify, like you literally run straight at a wall. Yeah, and one you, foot on it and, and then you backflip. Yeah, to the ground. Yeah, it's a gnar- it's a gnarly looking thing. It looks badass. <laughs> it looks super badass. I mean, it's funny because I knew from day one that like. To me, at least, it looks way cooler. Like, it looks like I'm in the Matrix. It looks cooler than yeah. a normal backflip, but a, a normal backflip with like completely stationary feet to feet is harder. Because mm-hmm. that's actually a full 360, whereas a wall flip, because you're kind of starting, you know, semi horizontally, it's closer to like a 270. Right. But you're doing an awful fucking wall. So you right. look like a ninja yeah. and running. Yeah. Yeah, you shared it on your story and I saw it. And I think I just wrote you. Like, dude, dude, yeah. you know, all caps, like, dude. dude. I was like, I know, like, that's my reaction to it too. I'm like, I don't know how I got here, but yeah. And I, I immediately was like, I want to do that. 
Like, right. or, or I'm like, I wonder if I could do that. And then I realized, well, if Jordan could do it. Of course I could do it. Yeah. If some six foot seven guy with like, you know, who really is underutilized his physical body for the last six years can do it. Yeah. Like that's the point. Of course, then we can do it. And that's, yeah. I feel like like that's, that's so empowering though. Like we can, if you're listening to this, you could do a backflip. Well, yeah. like, I mean, you might be, you might have no leg. That'd be awkward, but that, that's a very small percentage of my audience. I imagine. Probably. Our limitations are self-imposed is the point. Yeah. Right. Yeah, but there's a will there's a way. I took a turn for the weird. Yeah, sorry, I kind of ruined that moment, didn't I? That's fine. I just picture this person in a wheelchair like sitting there listening. Like, I, can't. I can't do it. Uh, well, oh gosh. if you put your mind to anything, you can do well, almost okay. anything. Let's, let's get it back. So, right, so, one thing I like, though, about this, yeah. and, I, and I, I like this and I use this with people, too, is this idea that if you know where you're going... Mm. and you know that you're going to get there, mm. then the how is just irrelevant. Like, yeah. the how doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, I'm going to do Any a backflip. It's going to take whatever, but I'm going to do a backflip. It's done. Yeah. Then the journey is just like, it can be fun and easy. You're like, well, this is just how it is. Yeah. <clears throat> Two things I want to say to that. One, just tying up the loose end in my mind on, so yeah, for me, like the wall flip yeah. is cold showers. You know, like ah, yeah. staring at that cold handle, I mean like, oh, this is coming and no, oh, how's it gonna be? And then just being like, I'm fine. Like I so yeah, it took me about half an hour to learn wall flip. Again, this is yesterday, just yesterday morning. And without hyperbole, 28 minutes of it was me just staring at the wall, psyching myself up and being like, Oh, okay, oh it's fucking weird. Okay. Like, like legitimately like, 28 minutes where you're like staring. I mean not not unbrokenly. I just mean like yeah, yeah. if you take Going the actual like number of seconds that I'm flipping out of my let's say I did like twenty five attempts. Yeah. Um you know, if you took up the number uh, of seconds of all those, that only adds up to two minutes. Right. Whereas the majority of the time was the like the psych up you the know, mental. It was it's hundred percent mental. And that's yeah. why I love I mean, yeah, entrepreneurship, interrelationships, uh, challenging your body physically. To me, it's, it's just all, all the resistance is in your head. And when you realize, like, I'm only in my own way, and it's the thoughts of, like, what if I launch backwards and land on my head? It's like, well, that's basically an impossibility because you've done the work. You have earned, mm. you have real earned momentum to, you know, or at least, like, trained skill sets that are supporting the thing that you're doing. You know, yeah, if you want to be a poet and you don't know how to, read or write and you're completely literate, fine. Maybe there's preliminary steps. Yeah. But again, you can work your way up to any of those things. But yeah, it's so psychological. And the second thing, what was the last thing you ended on? It was something really sharp that I wanted to Oh man, I have no idea. I was just yeah. thinking about cock rings, really. It was so present. <laughs> Back to cock rings. We're sitting here just wearing cock rings, by the way. So that's why it's so in our minds. To top hats. <laughs> Oh gosh, just tangent after tangent. Personal callback. Now everybody's now they're imagining that. It's just for us. This is yeah. awkward. Um, this, so what I was talking about was the how doesn't matter. So if you're getting to somewhere and you know that you're going to get there, then you can just enjoy the journey. Right. right? Yeah. What I was going to say about that was <clears throat> this ties in for me somewhere like the biggest. I feel like beneficial frustrations of my life is I. Well, that in itself is a beautiful phrase. Beneficial frustrations. Yeah, I mean, is there it's a good line. is there a non-beneficial frustration? Yeah, sure. Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, getting caught in your bullshit and yeah. So uh, yeah, a, a positive growth edge that I like leaning into and that I want the entirety of my life, whether I you know die next week or live till I'm ninety five and have a huge body of work, mm. is being a lived example of the antithesis of 
the starving artist. This idea pisses me the fuck off. Like I make crazy good money, barely working, and I do just a lot of creative fun shit. And yeah, so what that ties into and why this was sparked by what we were just talking about is, you know, someone's like, oh, I, just, I can't do a backflip. Oh, you can't make money as a writer. Oh, you can't do all these things. It's like, have you fucking tried? Or is this just like a really warm, cozy, convenient thing to hide under and phone it in and do nothing with your life? Mm. And yeah, when people ask me, like, oh, like, how do you have the courage to like, you know, write vulnerable shit or even like put your stuff out there? I'm so of the opposite mindset of like, I, I mean, if I didn't fear that it would somehow rub off on me even 1%, I want to like study their minds and be like, how do you not do this? Like, mm. like am I just that much more aware of death and have had near death experiences? So I'm like, what the, how can you not use your time for important shit? Like, what do you mean you're an accountant and you hate it and you bitch about it all the time and get drunk to try and not think about it? Like, yeah. Your life is, is finite. What are you fucking doing? Yeah, you might die literally today. Yeah. No, hopefully not. Hopefully not. I just cursed somebody. No. But I, I totally agree, man. I use, I use death as like the grand motivator. Mm-hmm. And, and also as just a perspective inducer of like, does it really matter? Yeah. Like, does it really matter if I say this thing? Does it really matter if I post on Instagram this phone app? and strangers read it and think things about me? Like, does that really matter? Yeah. Like, and does it matter in 10 years? Like, if you get in a fight with your partners, like, in 10 years, am I going to remember this shit? Like, in, in a year? Like, like I have memories of, of my, my ex and I, like, having an intense, like, a battle, yeah. you know? The real deal. Yeah. Like the rumble. The real war. On the beach, just, like, having it out. I could not tell you one detail at all. <laughs> about right. the topic of that conversation. Right. And like, I look back on that and I'm like, that's pretty silly. Yeah. I wonder what that was about. I wonder what that was Couldn't about. Couldn't care less. Couldn't care less now. And at the moment, I remember, oh, I was enraged. Yeah. So angry. And the same thing with the emotional resistance you might have felt posting a thing two years ago that felt vulnerable and yes. it was a growth edge at that time. Now you're like, oh, that was a growth edge. That's adorable. That's so like, quaint. Yeah. That is me like, you know, <laughs> Yeah, if that was that edge, to me, that's like laughable. That's so integrated and nothing. And that's the beautiful thing of staying on your edge is that growth and that transformation because you start to identify yourself as a different human being. Like yep. for me, when I started, man, I had a heart in my logo, this love bomb. I had love in my title. And I was like a man, Jordan. And I was a man talking about love. And it was so traumatic. Watch out. <laughs> I was like, Society. I was like, oh my gosh. And like one of the reasons it started as that brand was I, w- I started anonymously. Mm. Um, I was like, I didn't want to be me. Right. The, in the open. I, I wanted to be this brand thing. Mm. And like my Facebook page was a name with a logo. And I thought I could hide for a bit. But then stupid Facebook is like, oh, like you know, all of your friends know about this now because of algorithms and they're like, Oh yeah, Jeremy started this Facebook page. And then that's how it began. Right. Of, right. of sharing what I thought at the time was really, and it was really vulnerable, really hard, really scary things. Mm-hmm. But I look back at it now and I'm like, Oh man, right. Come on. So it's like last year's vulnerability is this year's mask. Totally. They're like, Oh, I've, I've grown this that's and now deep. I'm hiding behind the shield. Yeah. That was a growth edge at one point, but is so not now that totally. what's the next layer of being and it, seen. And I think it's really powerful because it, tra- from my experience, it transfers to all aspects of life. So like taking the cold shower sounds like not that big a deal right. until you go to have a really uncomfortable conversation. 
Yeah. And part of your brain is like, oh yeah, no, we do uncomfortable things. Oh, this is the same thing. It's and the same shit. And me turning the knob to cold is the exact same thing as uttering the phrase, so listen. Like it just, it's that, like, I have this I, thing I'm, I getting talk the, to you about. I'm getting the ball rolling. And now that I've said any words, I can't rescind it. And yes. it's out in the open and hands on the nozzle and it's yeah. twisting. And you're like, I have talk. this awkward thing I need to talk to you about. We need to talk about oh something. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Do you find that as well? That that's the exact same. Like, like the process of doing a backflip. Do you carry yourself differently now? Or like, does it go into other aspects of like, it's just another the feather in the over. cap, so to speak. Yeah. I think it does bleed over. A little bit like I think it's it's so of like I'm a person that does hard things yeah it's incremental I don't yeah. like, I don't no yeah I guess I just don't think about it a lot but yeah when I do I guess I mainly see it when I hear people's reactions to me and to my life when they're like oh you do these things I'm like oh is that a thing that matters or that's like that's that's impressive to anyone because yeah I'm I'm in it I'm too close to it I so, agree, yeah, when people man. go like oh you backflip or you you put out writing I'm like yeah, I don't know. Of course. What, what, do, you, what do you not do? Yeah. How do you you not would do get it? this as well, like messages from people saying, oh, that was so brave. Or, right. know, wow, I'm so inspired by your vulnerability. Yeah. And I'm I, like, I'm good. I'm like, you yeah, know, use that and please totally. carry the torch and love do that. something in that in your life. But, but yeah, for us, it's like, I don't know. I'm just being yeah. pretty normal. I'm like, oh, that one? Like that was, that one was not nearly as hard as the other one. Yeah. But they don't actually see it from our, my perspective, at least, right? Like, oh, that that bit was easy. Like, I've talked about that shit for years. Like, yeah. it's healed. This one was tender and new and fresh. Yeah. And into an outside perspective, it might seem really, really um, not a big deal. Right. But like, each of us individually have our own big deals, right? Yeah. Like having a conversation. <clears throat> you deal a lot with relationships and sex, so like mm-hmm. having those kind of conversations in an intimate relationship is. A, for a lot of people, a huge deal. Right. Yeah. I mean, so we're coming full circle. We're back to sex now. <laughs> we're See what not, I did there? We, we got it. Because I'm a professional podcaster now. <laughs> You're killing it. <laughs> you got the mind map running. He's <laughs> juggling all the balls all at once. How am I going to transition back to it? Got to come full circle. How are you going to do this, Jerry? You got this. <laughs> I got it. So how do you how do you help people have uncomfortable conversations? I guess it starts with themselves, right? Of like admitting that you're not doing okay. Yeah, I feel like they kind of improve the circuitry by having uncomfortable conversations with me. Like if they're a client or, yeah, I mean, I'll think about clients more than writing and readers, but yeah, by them bringing me their most challenging stuff and then, you know, getting the feedback internally of, oh, I said this difficult thing and I didn't die. And I said this difficult thing to another human who maybe isn't my parent that I need to confront or my partner or my kid or whatever. Um, and I got the feedback of I'm still lovable and okay and this is like fine to be received by any human, then that can kind of bleed over in their own confidence boosting, which, you know, what's a, mm. yeah, confidence only comes from basically results, which is overcoming obstacles. You find a thing that's kind of difficult, you do it, you get the feedback of not dying and your mind goes, okay, I'm like, I can be 1% bigger and that's mm. safe. And you do that over and over and not doing that you know, comfort zones aren't static. They shrink around you and will suffocate you unless you're actively pushing into them and proving that smallness wrong. I like that. I heard a podcast the other day suggesting similar ideas. They said, you know, science has shown 2 to 3% outside your comfort zone is like ideal, the juicy area where mm-hmm. it's not too hard and it's not too easy. Right. Where like it, it needs to be challenging, but deep down you know you can do it. 
Right. Right. This like, is, yeah, it's attainable. It's, it's attainable. Not, I haven't worked out in two years, but I'm going to try and deadlift 600 pounds and like absolutely <laughs> yeah. fuck up my back irreparably. <laughs> I'm going to climb to the top of the building and stand on the ledge and do a backflip for the first time. Yeah. Right. It'll be glorious. But so I think from the relationship context that we were just discussing, like mm-hmm. I, I often find having people do like little challenges or experiments, like mm-hmm. do it a week every single day and put yourself in an uncomfortable position or right. I had a client the other day and I, I made her ask for help every day. She's really uncomfortable asking for help. Mm. I was like, awesome. Guess what? You're going to ask for help every day this week and yep. start in the supermarket and say, excuse me, can you get me that thing off the top shelf? Mm. Even if you don't need it. Even if you're tall enough to reach Even it, if you're six foot ask. seven, <laughs> yeah. on your knees, I don't know. Figure it out. Can I lift you up and you can get this? For yeah. Me? And it's exactly that, right? You're, you're proving to your brain and your heart that like you can do these things. I'm allowed to ask people for help. It's all just stories. They'll be okay. Yeah. And that hard things now are easy things just in the future, right? You just have to start doing them. That's I'm, a fortune cookie, I think. Is there, <laughs> or at least the bumper sticker. <laughs> one gonna, must do difficult things. One must do and one will grow. <laughs> one will grow. Yes. So so in terms of like um, relationships and like specifically sex, right? I find in Friends of mine, in my own experience, like having those conversations about the really deep, intimate stuff can be challenging mm-hmm. for a lot of people. So <laughs> yeah, your eyes just bugged out. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's definitely like the things that people most commonly cite as the reasons for their divorce, like, you know, sex, money, kids, religion, like kind of these hot button topics that can very quickly have a lot of shame triggers wrapped up into them because, you know, we conflate sexuality and money with like self-worth and like who we are mm-hmm. as people and you know if, oh, if I don't fuck for two hours straight then I'm not a good enough man or if I you know if I don't make a million dollars and drive a Lexus then exactly I'm then this is what, it, what this is what it means about me and society and how mm-hmm. worthy I actually am of having friends and deep love and being held and seen and supported by people yeah, it's all just, you know, societally imposed bullshit or just self-perpetuated or family systems. Like, you know, the, the origins are multiple, but... The origins are multiple, but the story is all the same. It's just like some false yeah. belief appearing real, right? Yeah. I love the quote, the more personal, the more universal. Like, the more we uh. think, like, this thing is only our thing. I'm like, oh, this is just me. And so I so have to keep it a secret because it's like this dirty, broken, fucked up part of me. Like that's the surest fire sign that that's just like a consistent part of the human experience. And we're tapping into something very, you know, the majority of the seven and a half billion people are also like, mm. I'm also afraid that my spouse is going to leave me sometimes, even though we have a safe, loving relationship or, or just at a basic level, like I'm also afraid. Yeah. The end. Like we have these core I fear emotions in general. I fear. Yeah. I anxiety very I fear, well. I fear that the money will just go away or that they mm-hmm. will cheat or that, you know, I just find sex stressful. I know these things that are like very universal human experiences. Yes. But yeah, you've probably heard the, the whole like loneliness epidemic thing that loneliness has like reached epidemic proportions and it's now on par with smoking 15 cigarettes a day and is more of a health risk than obesity. And I think that this is a huge function of, you know, we live in these mega cities, you know, like the majority of people now in North America, at least, you know, live in cities of millions of people. And so we're surrounded by humans. We have such little depth of connection that I think that that loneliness, I see it as like purely a function of we all intimately know our own, you know, ruminative inner dialogue. And when you don't have even a single close friend, 
that you have real fucking conversations with that basically result in you both going, oh, we're both crazy, which means everyone's crazy, which means I'm not the fucked up crazy one who has these like darker, Mm -hmm. weird thoughts, but that these are just neurotic things that brains spew out. Like having anyone be a mirror to you just reminds you of your humanness and how universal all these things really are. Totally agree. And I think also there's this perception that being vulnerable will push people away. Right. And in actuality, it's the total opposite. The exact opposite. It's the exact opposite. And we even, we can even see that in other people. But again, it's, it's like the kind of the specialness of isolation and of, you know, spiraling into Mm -hmm. our own minds is we go, Oh yeah. Well, when someone else stands up on a stage and says something beautifully, courageously vulnerable and real about their past, you go, wow, what a fucking warrior that person is. But I can't do that because when I say it, that like, I'm the one who will get rejected because we're rejecting ourselves. Yeah. Like, I can't say it as good as he says it. Right. right. Or just my truth isn't even like, it's not acceptable. Even if I'm not as eloquent or well-spoken or whatever, it's just my, my pain is extra or my stuff is like, you know, it's, it's inherently unlovable. Whereas I can love other people for the same stuff, but mine's different. Mine's special. So that's just so wild. Just how humans are just, we're, we're, the, the, we're the weirdest. <laughs> yeah. We're all the weirdest. <laughs> just these like anxious little squirrels. Like, we're all just, <laughs> we're all like the exact same kinds of weird, just in different ways. Yeah. Like we all have our quirks, we all have our inadequacies, we all have our fears. Like you, you are a relationship coach, but I imagine that you have relationship stuff that comes up absolutely partner 100% sex stuff that comes up so we like even the, even like the teachers the people that you look up to have their own shit yeah because they're still humans like people are surprised sometimes because I often write like inspiring and encouraging shit right and then I'll I'll, I'll say like oh yeah, yeah I had a really bad day and they're like you have you, bad days you have bad days you get upset like you I'm like whoa I need to be I need to write some more angry shit like yeah <laughs> like, have I been like under showing myself do yeah. I need to like rehumanize myself hiding? every now and then because yeah, yeah, like Dalai Lama has bad days. Tony Robbins has bad days. Like Two. Warren Buffett, like all humans are humans. Yeah. I was on a, um, a panel once and I referenced um, the desire to kick a toddler that was mm. crying in the airport mm-hmm. and got very quiet, as you can imagine. <laughs> and I was like, I understand. Well, that I can't that imagine because I, I, underst- I would laugh. <laughs> I, understand, I understand that that was a kind of a rough way to say it, but I was frustrated, you know, of like, and that's okay. Because our brain, again, is just these strange story-creating monstrosities. Right. Where, like, you think of these things sometimes, you're like, what the hell? Why, right. do I, why am I thinking about kicking a toddler? Because it's funny. Because it's kind of- Because it's real. It's like, I just want to pick this thing up and like, kick it like a football so it's like out of my field. Just and stop screaming, That's a very reasonable yeah. thing to think. <laughs> Thank you. It is. I mean, again, it's that kind of stuff where it's like, you know, over standing in front of uh, like, you know, Skytrain or the tube or like some like transport thing. And we think, oh, like I'm in front of this thing. What if I just like jump in? Or what if yeah. the guy behind me pushes me in? Or mm-hmm. you're driving down the road and you think, if I just like steer a little bit to the left, I can like have a head on collision in two seconds. Like these thoughts cross our mind. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean anything other than our brains are a fucking Pandora's box of shit and noise. Yes. That it's, it's only then our mind that makes that wrong goes, oh, did I, was I not supposed to talk about kicking your toddler? It's like, no, of course you were. It's hilarious and a thing that people think. And 
Yeah. And yeah. then, and the sort of to wrap that all up is this idea that we are not our thoughts, right? To wrap this up, I did kick that toddler right <laughs> to the fucking face. <laughs> to wrap this up. My name's Jeremy. Yeah. Good night, everybody. I went to jail for three months. Uh, no. <clears throat> well, I didn't think we'd be joking about child abuse today and cock rings. Watch out. Watch out. We'll go everywhere. Sorry, mom. Um, so, but I think this is an important idea that um, relates to what we were talking about previously of this, this idea that we are not our thoughts, that we're not yeah. our beliefs yeah. and that the limitations that we perceive in our heads as being very real and very scary and very hard. Yeah. It's all just a story. Yeah. And like, they were never you, real. You can re-choose, you can reprioritize your values. You can let mm-hmm. go beliefs and replace them with new ones. You can replace six foot seven guys can't do backflips too. Mm-hmm. No nope. human bodies can do basically anything that they want to with enough so what, like, what would be your advice to like somebody listening that's like, yeah, I get that. Sounds nice. Like, how do you change your mind? How do you change your beliefs? Like, what's the process? I'd say get uncomfortable. Like, write down, <clears throat> write down a list of 50 things. Like, headline, things I'm afraid to do. Write down 50 things of varying degrees of, you know, I'm afraid to try eating anchovies again because I had them five years ago and I didn't like them to, you know, skydiving, which for most people might be like, you know, an eight, nine or a 10 on the, on the discomfort scale, Mm. you know, the whole gamut, the whole dynamic range. And then, yeah, see which ones kind of fall in the, you know, two to six or two to seven out of 10 anxiety producing range and then cross out things I'm afraid to do with to-do lists and go, well, fuck me. I just signed up for a bunch of shit that I'm going to try. And when you do it progressively and you start with things that you're the most sure will not, you know, kill you. And you just, yeah, you lean into that. Like you said, two or 3% Mm -hmm. past your comfort zone and get the feedback of, I do these things and I don't die. I bring this, this difficult conversation to my partner. And not only do they not go, Oh, you're like less lovable and this is gross. And maybe we should break up. They go, I've been waiting for you to say exactly this and I appreciate you bringing it to me and I love you more and it's so easy to receive you in this way. Like you get that feedback that's antithetical to what your mind has said. Oh, this, this crazy thing will happen and you won't be yeah. safe. Yeah, you get the feedback and you go, well, I guess I'm growing. And even that two to 3% thing reminds me of flow. The, you know, Mihai, Chiksan Mihai. It's, yeah, it's that Venn diagram overlap of like when we're understimulated, we're bored. If we're overstimulated, it's anxiety producing too much. But what is that? overlap of like right here is where I'm fully engaged because it's just past what I'm capable of doing but you know it's not you're new to tennis and you're playing Andre Agassi but you're playing someone who's like a year better than you and you have to like be sharp to keep up yeah exactly I I love this idea too of um, of getting intentional with how you live your days Mm -hmm. so for example if you want to be less fearful then I would say focus more on bravery like be brave don't be less fearful because then you're picking up the fear right, right. how do i go with this fear it's like no how do you yeah, yeah, yourself? how do you yeah. push yeah how do i be less uncomfortable it's like be more yourself yeah. right and so you can do this same list with any kind of topic if you want to be kinder make a list of 50 things that you can do in a week to be kinder yeah like random acts of kindness buy some people's uh, coffee in the line behind you. If you want to be braver, how? What are fifty things you can do to be braver? And then just start. Like, yeah. Like the magic's in the action. Yeah. It's in the doing, and that's when you learn. Do like, the thing, get the feedback, realize you don't die, grow as yeah. a person. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, it's not hard for you to imagine. There's probably some writers and coaches that follow your podcast, and if someone is like, "Oh, I've been," 
you know, I get a couple emails every few months from people that are like, I've been following your stuff for a while and I like, I want to start my own. And like, mm-hmm. I'll get the same email from them every, every like once a year, like, Oh, like I'm, I'm going to start a blog too. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you've been saying this for years to me and probably to many people in your life and you haven't done anything with it. If putting out, you know, really raw, vulnerable stuff and like, you know, sharing your story or your like, you know, your wound story is the, is the 10 out of 10 thing for you when you're starting then absolutely don't start there. Write a roundup post of like your five favorite books that have, you know, none of you in it, but just like, oh, here's the thing that I'm sharing at all that was words that I wrote. You know, yeah. again, find that two to five out of 10 anxiety producing thing and do it and live. And start. Yeah. And just start. And so I wrote this online program called Get Shit Done 101. And like, and this is unintentional self-plug. But in it, I talk about how with everything that we want to do, there's these underlying beliefs related to our own assessment of our abilities, mm. what other people think. Am I good enough? What people think of me? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And um, that's too hard. That's too scary. I can't do that. Right. So it's a right. self-assessment. Right. And then at the it's heart. It's very of, like black and white kind of universal beliefs yeah, of like, I'm totally. not appropriate to do this. It's like, yes. Well, it says literally only you. It says literally one thought in your brain. Yeah. <laughs> that says that. And I don't know, from your perspective, like most everybody that I've talked to who's like quote unquote successful, mm-hmm. quote unquote, like a great life coach, running a business, having a great family, like at some point there was this crossroad where it's like, am I going to do this? Am I not going to do this? Yeah. Am I going to have the hard conversation? Am I not going to have the hard conversation? And we've all been there and we all feel that fear and we decide to do it anyway. It's mm-hmm. like, fuck it. Yeah. I might die tomorrow. Fuck it. Does it really matter? I don't know. Fuck it. Yeah. Have is it? this whole thing a hologram? Are we just <laughs> yeah. stardust? And if you stretch out the timeline long enough, of course everything doesn't matter. And yeah. whether that's, you know, whether society figures out a way to like, you know, store our content for 4,000 years until the machines break or the world explodes or whatever, yeah. like, of course it's all meaningless. But like <laughs> when you're in the game, uh, you know, be on the field, play full out. And like, what else are you going to do? So much better than not being in the game. Yeah. Than just like, you know, slinking into nihilistic, pessimistic, like, oh, well, we're all going to die anyways. And mm. so don't enjoy anything. It's like, cool, bro. Sounds super really cool. Or this idea as well, which is also fiction of, oh, I'm not ready yet. <laughs> right. I need, I need to take one more uh, online course. I need one to more certification. read one more book, have one more certification, yeah. one more conversation. Um, yeah. I'll hire the expert. It's like, that's a form of perfectionism or procrastination, which is a form, which is fear. Only fear. Yeah. Fucking fear. <sighs> yeah. I, what do you have to say about fear? I think we spend too much time with it. We make it really important and big and yeah, just like give it a really wide berth when it, it's just this like, it's just a pesky, this like yeah, pesky younger sibling that just like dances around your mind, and it only thrives <laughs> when you're like, oh, what should I do? Like scared, you know, terrified little brother. Yeah. Oh, you should you know stay home and just like sleep in for four hours, and of course don't do cold showers, and you should get the safe job that you hate and drains your soul. It's like, oh, should I? Oh, okay, that sounds smart. And then the more listen, the more you listen to it, the louder it gets. And it's like, oh, I'm getting you know, a lot of playing time in the field now. So I guess I'm employed and I get to keep running my mouth. And yeah, so probably just you get tired of it. Like a, uh, one of my mentors always says like a toddler who just gets tired of its favorite toy when it outgrows it, it just, you drop it and you go, it's not interesting to me anymore. Mm. It's boring. I'm over it. 
Yeah. And there has to be that real let go, shit or get off the pot moment of like, it's not fun being held back by my bullshit and I'm not serving me and my heart. I'm not serving the world by playing small and being misaligned. Like absolutely no one is winning Mm. by me bullshitting myself for another day. Totally. I love this idea of, um, because it's all a form of suffering. So this Mm. idea of choosing to suffer better or just suffer better. So you can suffer, make better problems, make better problems, right? So you can, you can suffer by being scared to do the thing. Right. And telling yourself, I'm not good enough. It'll never happen. It'll never work out for me. That's one form of suffering. Or you can do the thing and, and you then can get suffer. some haters and like and then you get be haters. afraid of what will my grandma think of this yes. post and go, well. And that's also suffering. Puts a more fulfilling and nourishing form of it. Totally. It's like better suffering, better problems. Like you can suffer by like not having any money and being broke. Or you can suffer by having to find a good stockbroker or an accountant because you have so much money. Right. right? What like, do I do the, with all this? The problems don't go away necessarily. No. You just get better and better problems. You just upgrade. You just upgrade your suffering. Yeah. And so I think it's just a matter of choosing mm-hmm. to get, to, to be sick enough of your current suffering yeah. where you're ready to try a different form of suffering. Yeah. I feel like courage is the access point for all of this. When you go, yeah. I'm choosing a new way. Like this yeah. is just, I'm, I'm, switching the cold water yeah. I'm doing the backflip I'm putting out that post like mm. I'm staking a claim in the, in the world in the ground just going I'm just gonna try I do this it. now I'm yeah. this kind of person because the old way wasn't fun totally and like the scientist in me loves this idea of experimentation and collecting data and it's all data of like I'm just gonna try something right I'm just gonna see how this goes try this experiment and in science like a failed experiment is just data it's not a failure. There is, there is no failed experiment. It's like we yep. just reject the hypothesis and we do it again differently next time. Right. And so when you phrase it like that, like, like failure, is just, failure is nonsense. It's, this, it's, this, it's an idea. Yeah. Like try a different idea. Failure is just like success spelled differently or success as a baby or whatever. Like, that cliche of WD-40 was like the 40th iteration of them making that ah. product. Like there were 39 before. And like the 40th iteration was when they were like, Okay, it works now. We got it. Is that true? You just made that up. It's 100% true. That's how it's named. That's what its name is. Really? And yeah, like Edison, or hopefully Edison, invented the light bulb and being like, I didn't didn't fail a thousand times. I figured out a thousand Mm -hmm. ways that it wasn't the right way. Like it's just feedback. Yeah. So if you're listening right now, try some shit. Try 39 iterations of WD-40 and make the new WD-40 Every time you hear a squeaky screen door, think, I could do that too. In at least 40 tries, I could figure out how to make that not squeak. But it's so true, man. I talk to people all the time, and there's this, there's this fear, these limiting beliefs. What will they think? What will they say? I can never do that. And from an outside perspective, who's seen this so many times, just like, this is a bullshit, nonsensical story yeah, that you're not telling fun. yourself. Is it, is it serving you? Is your life thriving like, I, by hiding behind this wall, like, or are you miserable? Like, this is the first time I've heard you tell that story, and I hate this story, and I'm sick of it, and I <laughs> right. don't want to talk about it anymore. Because it's the same story that everyone else has been saying, <laughs> yeah. and you're better than this. Yeah, and yeah. I believe in a higher ideal for your life than you totally. hiding behind bullshit. This is a plagiarized story that everybody tells. Right. Like, Who'd oh, you steal this from? <laughs> yeah, Most <laughs> people. That's who. Literally everybody. Yeah. Like, oh, you're scared? That's unique. Can, That's we, can we not talk about that? Yeah. All right. Yeah. What, what's after that? This reminds me of one of the sections in Way of the Superior Man by David Data, mm. where he says, live as if your father was dead. Mm. And the core concept is like, you know, love your father, honor your family system. Um, but if you're living your life for other people's approval and always hiding behind, like, oh, well, I have to be a doctor, Lord, because my parents said this. And if I 
if I don't do this thing that they said I should do, then the subtext is that they'll rescind their love for me and that'll sting too much or whatever. But yeah, it's like, who are you living for? As long as you're living in a way that isn't abusing people or the world, then I think that, yeah, the only, this is a very, you know, Kitsilano thing to say, but like, if you're not living in a way that honors your heart, then you're just fucking yourself. And yes. robbing the world of the gifts he would be able to give otherwise. Yes. Mm. And I think just a very, basic, a very basic premise underneath all of that is like, what do you want? Yeah. I ask these to people like on coaching calls, like, what do you actually want from your life? Right. Like, what kind of relationship? They tell you twenty minutes of stories about yeah. oh, like all the logistics like, and like service level drama. You go, what do you want? What, what are you do, saying? What do you want? Yeah. What kind of relationship do you want? Like, what kind of sex life do you want? Well, it's not that easy. No, it's exactly that easy. It's literally that easy. (laughs) Yeah. What are you willing to not settle for? And then how do you uphold those ideals and make it real? Yeah. We try to to overcomplicate our experience. Yeah. Our ego always wants a job. And it's like, yeah, but I need all these like black and white yes or no questions. Oh, but do I do this path, you know, this career, this career? Do you like either one of those things? Well, no, but which one do I choose? Well, neither, but it sounds like your mind's really busy, so yeah. maybe you need to like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. What does your heart want to do, right? Yeah. It's that cliche woo-woo stuff that I resisted for a really long time. Yeah. But I've been trying to, um, I've been trying to learn woo-woo, mm. you know? Hanging out with Kelsey and Yana Just and all your hippie all, friends. All of them, yeah. yeah. <laughs> all the light workers. Yeah. <laughs> um... <laughs> We just can we just sync up our auras first uh, before we start this podcast. Uh, I need to smudge my. I just love your energy. Top hat. <laughs> uh, what, what have we not talked about? <sighs> Is there anything that that's uh, that you're excited about at the moment? Is there anything you're <clears throat> angry about at the moment? Both beautiful questions. Uh, that's actually one of so. I'll get into the first one, which is men's work. That's my first answer. But on the second thing, that's also one of my favorite writing prompts is two of them. What pisses me off right now? And what am I afraid to write right now? Oh. <clears throat> Those two things. Yeah, like just. What am I afraid to write right Yeah, now? it's like fear and anger. For me, there's a lot of growth edge material in those things. Of like, like oh, that. you know, what pisses me off? How magazines, you know, call cellulite and wrinkles on women's bodies like you know, love your flaws, love your imperfections. Like, why are we even calling that shit? They're like, oh, there's, there's energy here? Cool, follow that. Yeah. Or are you afraid to write? Oh, well, I haven't like really done a deep dive post about my suicide attempts when I was younger and that would be healing, so I'll do that thing. Yes. Which that reminds me of this quote by Gay and Katie Hendricks. If there's something that you can't say into a microphone in front of 20,000 people, it still has power over you. I remember reading that when I was young and just being like, oh, like of course writing is therapeutic. Like that's it mm-hmm. for me. Putting out that. some real shit and... Letting people go, you know, especially people that don't have close confidants or those people that, you know, report loneliness and have it as a health risk, even if they live in a city of millions of people, I think that even being able to read, you know, a poem or an article or a book or someone's magnum opus that they get to read their own thoughts in someone else's words and they go, oh, it's not uh, just me. Like yes. that's that kind of surrogate confidant friendship that art can give us is like someone else has been here otherwise they would have been able to make this and I feel more seen and understood because of this real art like yeah real shit courageous yeah bleeding it on the page like you're mm. in it you're not just phoning it in and writing pretty words yes and so just going back to your prompt idea it's this idea of turning like pain into passion or pain into purpose whatever, absolutely whatever yeah so I've done that similarly of, of like what am I really sad about at the moment mm. right or like what's breaking my heart about the world like what's something that really just like 
I, I can't stand. Right. Like, fuck this. Yeah, and whether that's like the micro of, oh, I just went through a breakup, it's really hurting, mm-hmm. and I can like, you know, a musician goes into the studio and like makes an entire album in the month after the breakup because they have some energy to move and transmutate. Yeah. Or if it's as macro as, well, the phrase toxic masculinity pisses me off and I want, I have, you know, and things to say about that, you know, <laughs> like it's whatever size and scope it yeah. needs to be. Circling back to men's work. When you yes. ask what I'm what you're excited, excited about. about right now. Yeah. So I've been in a, a weekly men's group for the last three years and just under three years. And yeah, for me, it's one of the most potent antidotes to one of the most durable solutions to the like loneliness epidemic or a sense of disconnection or isolation or like lone wolfness that a lot of people, but I think sometimes especially men, because I feel like friendships can be more stigmatized or hard to come by with depth for guys and women. Um, mm. I think that it's, yeah, one of the best solutions for that where we just, there's basically 14 of us and we meet up, the same people meet up every week for several years and we just talk about absolutely everything and we come to know each other and like, have each other's backs in a really beautiful and genuine way. And just knowing that 52 times a year, I will sit in a room of people that know me and understand me. And if there's something really pressing on my mind, I can bring it to them and either just air it and get it out there or get feedback and get challenged by people that I know, you know, want the best for me. Like what potent and simple medicine it is to just be with people and talk Mm -hmm. about real shit. Yeah. And so why does that excite you at the moment? Hmm. Because I hear, so the, the men's group community that I'm a part of and a few others that also have like a larger presence, they're all taking off very organically. And so what excites me the most about it is when I talk to, you know, people that I don't consider in my generation, but like, you know, my uncles, my grandfathers, they, you know, nine times out of 10, when I get them in a one-on-one more honest conversation, they will readily admit that, you know, they feel envious about it or like, I wish, you know, I wish that I'd had this when I was your age. I, mm. I see the value of it. I've considered joining one myself. There's, there's, it's such a needed thing. And so I'm excited by how much it is taking off, you know, mm. multiple, you know, brands and companies and iterations of it, yes. whether it's in person or online, as things take off, I like that this conversation is happening and that the integration is coming. And whether that's, you know, it's progressively becoming more and more destigmatized for guys to be in a mastermind or to be in a men's group or to just have friendships in general that are more than just, um, you know, drinking, you know, getting shit-faced and watching sports, which you can absolutely experience bonding from that. But, you know, hopefully you're also talking about real stuff and there's the mutual understanding of if either one of us, as we're getting shit-faced and watching a football game, have the room and space to talk about a thing that's like bothering bothering us in our relationship to our career or in our marriage. Like if that, if there's room for that, amazing, cool. You don't need a men's group. You're probably fine. You have good friends, but I think it still is the exception, you know, worldwide. The default is still superficiality and not feeling comfortable in the spaciousness to talk about real or shit. Yeah, I totally agree. And I'm really, um, I'm really inspired by just in the last few years of like this feeling that men's groups or vulnerability amongst men or emotional expression of the masculine, all of this, it's like becoming more and more a thing. Absolutely. And I feel like there's really some significant momentum around this now and it's not going to go away, certainly. Mm-hmm. And it's only going to grow. And um, 
just seeing more and more people talking about this stuff, real shit, you know, connecting with real dudes, having real talks. I think it's beautiful. And yeah. I think it's so needed to, to fix so many different epidemics at the moment. Like yeah. this loneliness stuff, this isolation stuff. Yeah. I yeah, really believe that the, the dent, like the positive dent that would occur in the male suicide rate and mm. guys go off the deep end and becoming like mass shooters and domestic this kind of stuff violence, like domestic violence, emotional like, abuse, things will absolutely all be eroded by people just like having actual friends, by having confidants, by having, yeah, those containers where people, where those people that were, you know, lonely and isolated and just, you know, by a very understandable nature of the structure of their life, just progressively went, you know, spiraled into their own mind um, mm. by having those thoughts and realities checked by someone just being like, hey, man, are you okay? Like the, yeah. those tiny interventions and someone just giving a shit about you and being somewhat curious about your inner world. I think that stuff can just... And like really being seen. Exactly. And like really being heard. Yeah. There's, there's nothing like it. I'm always ranting about this idea. Like we don't know what another person's experience is at any given moment. Mm -hmm. Like the cashier at the grocery store, the guy that cuts you off, the stranger walking down the street. Like we have no fucking idea. Yeah. And as a society, we're so good at pretending that everything's fine. Everything's good. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Everything's fine. But in reality, you know, like really being seen and really being heard or really, um, connecting with a human in a, in a very innocent way, seemingly like, Hey, are you okay? Or Hey, like are, you look really beautiful today. Or, Hey, like what's, what's really going on? You seem quiet. Yeah. All of these things that are so easy to do, like yeah. literally one sentence mm -hmm. can, can literally save a life. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Change the trajectory of not only someone's day and someone's mood, but like, yeah, their mass perception of the world that they live in. Totally. Like, oh, the, the world isn't entirely cold and heartless and everyone's out for themselves and it's all dog eat dog. And, you know, because I have my unique blend of childhood trauma, I have these global beliefs about how the world is. And if someone comes in and is like, you know, a sliver of doubt in that mindset by just their beingness, mm. that can really fuck you up in a totally. positive way of like, oh, like how wrong could I be? And then if, if that sliver of doubt, you know, wedged into their mind makes them, you know, that, if that, if that's 0.1%, then they then have 5% openness to the next positive interaction. Like that can reverse the trend of spiraling into your own mind and, you know, upward spiral into yeah. trusting people. And I'm allowed to ask for help, even if that's as simple as, you know, oh, do you mind if I cut ahead of you? I'm in a rush. Or can you reach this thing on the top shelf? Or, hey, can we have a tough conversation? Mm. Yeah, again, I, that courage being the access point. Like, there has to be some willingness from the individual who's in their own experience. But we can only do so much of our own work. We're a social species. We need others to survive and thrive. And we all need that kind of high-quality mirroring and validation that we all, to some extent, didn't get in childhood because no parent is flawless and even if they kind of were we'll still find a way to project our shit and like make them wrong one percent yeah um yeah everyone's got healing to do and that's what excites me about men's groups women's groups just like yeah real containers like that where people just are seen by each other totally just the self-development space as a whole is really exciting because it means people are trying to be better yeah create a better world Doing be kinder work. doing the work showing up 
And that to me is just so empowering. Yeah. And so there's so, that much of a market need that people are like seeking this stuff out. Like yeah. we're, we're great. We're going in a good direction. Yeah. If this stuff's happening. Yeah. And we lose sight of that as well. Going back to this idea of perspective and timelines of like, you know, a hundred years ago, a generation ago, 30 years ago, the world was a vastly different place Yeah, and in a negative way. Yeah. You know, segregation and all of the things that have happened just in the last decade in terms yeah. of gay rights and less than a hundred years ago, women were still literal property. Mm. I mean, they kind of still are in some countries today, yeah. but like really as like the North American default, yeah. you know, like you were owned, like you, you, of course you couldn't have your own bank account or vote like a yeah. hundred years. That's not a crazy it's long crazy. time. That's like nothing. It's nothing. Yeah. Or that like in America, black people couldn't use the same drinking fountain as white yeah. people. Like yeah. this was not that long ago. Right. And so I, I love this idea of just trajectory instead of results. So like, yeah, we might have a few incidents here and there. Or the events of the last couple of months might be this or that. But like sure. you look at trajectory, long term projections of where we're moving towards, like, like it's a very hopeful space. Yeah. And when people are too doomsday-ish or pessimistic about yeah, trajectory or like current state, I'm like, my immediate assumption is you watch a lot of news and you're not yeah. in the world that much because mm. by so many massive, significant metrics, we are like in the best point of human history we've ever been in terms of like health markers and life expectancy and yes. so many of these, like, you know, we the highest percentage of humanity of all human history lives on the very tip of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you know, living in self-actualization because we so have food and shelter and these things that are like, you know, these baseline things that our wartime parents you know, we're stressed the fuck out about a hundred years ago that are just so not a part of our daily realities. Like we're not living through the potato famine and like, unless you're friends with a farmer, you're certain to die. Like that's not a reality at all. Yeah. And so, yeah. and that's not to say that there are not significant institutional issues regarding a, a bunch of big Everything. stuff, yeah, racism, sexism, body autonomy, justice, yeah. education, etc. Yeah. Like there's still a lot of fucked up shit out there absolutely and there's, there's still a lot always of, work to do there's work to do forever yes and we're doing it and we need more people doing it as well yeah. which is another reason to start your fucking website quit your job <laughs> start your blog yeah <laughs> you know join Give your gifts. group start the community thing that you want to do because there is there is there's a tremendous amount of stuff that needs to happen and the quicker that we can get to it the better off we're all going to be yeah someone messaged me <clears throat> On my way here today uh, on Instagram, I, I posted about, yeah, talking about men's groups and how invaluable it had been for me and just, yeah, I really love it. And they're like, oh, I've wanted to, we yeah, have women in another province. It's like, I've wanted to start a women's group for a while, but I feel like where I live, like people just like don't go out to things at all and it's really hard to get people out. And I was like, okay, like, you know, cool story. And people prioritize things that are actually valuable. If, you, if your heart is really in this and you do want this, mm -hmm. you know, no one's coming to save you. You have to start it. Like yeah. I'm in a men's group community of over 200 people. There's a related, you know, kind of, yeah, correlated women's group community. that's like 70 or 80 people and both of them are growing. And if all these people can come out week over week for years on end, like people are people. And I don't care if you live in Toronto or LA or Bangkok, like if you start a thing and you, and your heart's in it and you build actual momentum, you can be that pillar that you're looking for and yes. just create it. Like it's always, I'm such a fan of personal responsibility and being like, what torch can you carry? And like, stop blaming your city. Stop saying, oh, people just aren't friendly here. People don't make friends. Like, no, whatever you tell yourself, you're, you'll make true. 
Mm. So don't tell yourself unhelpful shit every day. Yeah. That. I often think of like, I want to write the articles I want to read. I want to write the Instagram post that I need to read right now. Yeah. But the same is true of any sort of scalable thing. Of like, if you have a group that you would love to see in your city and it's not there, then Maybe. guess what? Like, guess you just, what? You got a new job. You're doing it now. Yeah. Guess what? You have an invitation to do. And surely, if you live in any place where there's any amount of humans, you could find a handful to start and just start doing a thing. And it goes back to this, what we already talked about. Like, just you learn by doing. Yeah. Just do it. The worst that happens is that you, you don't have that group. Right. And it's, that's exactly where you are right now. Like, I say this to people. Like, and even then, it's like, how long were you trying? Because yeah. like, if you try for a full year and yeah. it doesn't pick up momentum, yeah. fine. Commit like, to at six certain months. Point. Exactly. Yeah. Try it out. Give it some real energy and, like, yeah. see if you can prove yourself wrong about yes. whatever's holding you back. Like, people don't come out to things or, uh, you know, women are flaky or whatever. Like, no, be it wrong. It all might be true. And do it anyway. Right. <laughs> what else are you doing with your time? Change the paradigm. Yeah. All right, buddy. Um... I think we should probably wrap it up. Cool. We went everywhere. We went. To, <laughs> what am I going to call this stupid episode, man? Just, we'll figure it out. Um, I don't envy that thank part you, of your job. Thank you for you. I appreciate you. I respect you. I admire you. I'm glad you're in my world. You're some fucking awesome dude. You know, all those love, words. love what you're all about. Well, um, where can people find you? What do you want to promote? You got a thing you want to sell or um, a website no. or a blog or... Yeah, my main hub is my website, jordangrayconsulting.com. Everything branches off of that. So. And you've written about basically anything that they would need to read about in a relationship? Um, most things. I definitely I ignore some topics that don't interest me, but yeah, I've got over 600 articles. and so You've written 600 articles? 10 books. 10 books? Yeah. Dude. In six years. When I say prolific, like I, I have a very busy brain and I write a lot. You get down. You get down. You've written 10 books in six years. Like, of varying sizes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like ebook size. Like yeah, yeah. a lot of them are like 40 to 100 pages. Mm. So still counts. Sure. Good for you, man. Thanks. All right. Uh, pleasure. This Take was care. fun. This was fun. I'm going to stop recording now. <laughs>